Welcome to the Select Star Podcast, your resource for innovative technology, developer topics, and more. Here's your host, Margo McCabe from the HarperDB team. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Select Star Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, today, we're speaking with Shashi Lowe. So thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, Margo, thank you for having me on this. Yeah, excited to chat with you. So Shashi is a senior software engineer at Microsoft, um, has had an interesting journey in tech. Also, I just learned he's a father of four, which is quite <laughs> impressive. Um, and, and where are you calling in from? Um, I am calling in from Austin, Texas. Okay. So has it has summer struck yet with the humidity there or still pretty nice? Um, well, originally I am from the Midwest, upper Midwest in Minnesota, Wisconsin. So this feels like summer to me, but <laughs> I do know of the harsh Austin summers and that has not come yet right now. Yeah, it's, not, exactly. it's just nice and beautiful. It's perfect outside. Nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the Denver area and we've kind of okay. the last couple of years, it feels like we've been skipping the in-between, like it goes from winter to summer really fast. Oh, yeah. So We'll see how it is, but um, awesome. Well, so before we jump into it, I would love if you just give, you know, a little bit more of an intro on yourself, kind of your background and, and journey in tech. Yeah, for sure. Um, so again, I'm Shashi Lowe. I, um, I'm a soft, senior software engineer at Microsoft. I work on the Microsoft pricing experience team. Uh, it's a team um, under the Azure umbrella. Uh, my team focuses on uh, calculations of how much product's going to cost and uh, ensuring that we're providing accurate costing there for over 150 different teams. So there's a lot of logic for each team and we kind of have to handle all that and ensure that uh, we're providing good estimates for users that are trying to get in um, and use our services on Azure. Um, okay. And then at the same time, like, um, you know, I... I've been more active on Twitter, just kind of helping people out and uh, trying to uh, use my knowledge for good. Um, I enjoy like mentoring and helping others. So I realized that I have a lot of stuff in my head that can be shared and will be useful. So that's kind of the journey that I've taken uh, currently. That's awesome. Yeah. And I can imagine being in the pricing realm is probably can be quite complicated as times uh, at times because I know mm -hmm. when it comes to software, pro I mean, at our company having you know a database, data platform, like we've had so many back and forth conversations about pricing. We've changed it over the years, and <laughs> yes. I imagine like when it gets to the wider scale, how you figure out like the best way to kind of just make it really easy to understand, easy to ingest for the user, but also on your side, you know, the company side, making sure that it's valuable. I, I could see that being complicated. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a challenge because we work with so many teams and each each team, like you said, if they want to adjust pricing, um, then we have to adjust our logic. And it's just not the one team. It could be several teams at the same time. And the issue, uh, like many companies have, is we, we're not like the, the one-stop shop, right? We're just one area of showing estimates. And when the customer gets billed, sometimes it's like, hey, like, based on the estimate, this is a little off or a lot off from what I'm being charged. And so there's some discrepancies there as well. So there's just a lot of information and, and um, a lot of 
logic that has to go into ensuring that we're providing accurate costing. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm sure never a dull moment. <laughs> and, and <laughs> yeah. So where where did you kind of begin your tech career? Like, have you been at Microsoft for a long time or, mm -hmm. you know, what brought you there? Obviously, Microsoft is like a big tech company that's highly desirable yeah. for a lot of people. What was kind of your path there? Well, my path was not easy for sure. Um, I am born and raised in Wisconsin and went to school in Minnesota. And I just stayed in the area for a long time. Um, I started off as a, a web designer, you know, wanting to be a designer. I went to an art school, art institute, and thought that I could just, you know, design websites and go and build websites from there. Um, this was like back in 2000. 2003 it's been a long time <laughs> uh, but I started off right after that after college was done um, I started off working at, at a small web design firm um, doing everything right doing design doing development doing talking to clients all of that and that really helped me because I really didn't know what I wanted to do I thought I wanted to do it all do the SEO do the content writing uh, manage the the hosting uh, build the websites all of that. And I soon realized that, you know, this is a lot of work and I'm spreading myself thin. And so I moved in uh, to my next role, which was a front-end developer. So now I wasn't designing anymore. I wasn't talking to clients. Um, this company had everything covered. All I was doing was taking design and implementing it into code on the client side, on the front-end side. And that's where I really fell in love with front-end development. And I said, this is kind of what I want to do. Um, and then after that, I became a, a full-time freelancer for about two years. And it wasn't then until I met uh, a new friend and he was like, Shashi, why are you doing so much? And I said, I don't know. I thought this is what I'm supposed to do. He said, yeah, I mean, you can, but you know that you can go further if you just focus on one role. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, if let's say you love front end, right? If you focus on that and... Uh, put all your efforts in research and uh, get really good at that. You can specialize in that. And then people would want you for that particular skill. Because if you're doing too much, they don't know what you're really good at. And sometimes, sure, small companies want somebody that does everything. But as you get further along your career and you go to medium-sized companies and larger companies, they want people that are more specialized in a certain area that are really good at that. And that's how you're going to stand out. So once I took that into realization, I said, oh, you're right. I want to, that's what I want to do. And so after that, I was able to go work for an agency. Uh, I worked for a software engineering company, which was a startup. Um, and then um, Adobe gave me the opportunity to move to Austin about three years ago. And my family, I, you know, took that leap and we came uh, to Austin. So I worked for Adobe for a while, uh, doing front engineering. Uh, then I jumped back to a, 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 a startup. But I've only been with Microsoft for about nine months. But, but I've enjoyed every moment of it. Um, it is true what they say. Like the culture is really good. They care about family. They care about work-life balance. There's certain days that I'm working really long or trying to put extra hours in. And the next day my manager says, hey, um, I noticed that you worked a little bit longer than usual. Like, hey, why don't you just take half the day off? Uh, just go decompress. Uh, you know, we don't want you to overwork yourself and all that. And I was like, okay, that's that's pretty cool. Like, um, knowing that they realize, like, 
you know, they don't want to overwork you. They they want to ensure that you're you have a healthy balance in your life and that I'm also spending time with my family. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that sounds like quite an impressive sort of journey that you've had. And <laughs> it's awesome yeah. to hear where you are now. Like, it's so important. That's something I've learned as well. And why I'm so happy with where I'm at. It's so important to have managers and leaders that really value the balance and also just mental health and like that they can recognize, yeah, especially when it comes to developers and engineers, like they're less likely, I think statistically, it's like very clear that they're less likely to take time off and like they're more likely yeah. to kind of work odd hours in the evenings and stuff. And so, you know, my boss has done the same thing. Our CEO has had to like pull up the people that have taken the least amount of time off over the year and be like, Hey, you know, Joe, you need to take, like, take a full week. Oh, nice. you know, we're almost to the end of the year. Like you have barely taken any time. So it's, it's so important to have, you know, people that recognize that and value that and really like give you that time to reset, as you said, and to spend time with family. Um, that's awesome. And, and the other thing that kind of stuck out a lot of people I talked to, it sounds like have a similar sort of situation when they start off in their career as developers, where they want to try everything. And, and because yeah. otherwise you don't know what you're good at and what you're mm -hmm. interested in, but then you have that dilemma of like, when do you choose to specialize? And if you special go down one path, is it too hard to turn the other way? So I think it sounds like it worked out really well for you, where you could kind of get some different experience and then really hone in on what was interesting. Yeah, I think that's a great point too. Um, I see a lot of uh, beginners and people breaking in, trying to break into tech, trying to do too much. And I always go and tell them like, uh, it's just it's a saying that, you know, there is no such thing as a full stack engineer. There is, but it's so hard to learn everything at the same time, right? You're just learning how to code. And now you're, you're, you're placing yourself in a hard situation of learning the front end, the back end, um, and and uh, there's so much more to learn, and 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 then you're just spreading yourself so thin. Whereas if you just focus on a role and get really good at it, you can always come back to the other side and kind of tweak your skills on that side and all that. Um, uh, it was so interesting too, like uh, when my friend told me that I didn't he I didn't realize that he noticed that, uh, but it really helped me and it really helped propel my career. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And it's, it's always good to have those people in your life, like your friend that will kind of help guide you and mentor and like call out those things that need to be said. Um, and that, I mean, that's why I have so much fun hosting a podcast because like every person I speak to has something interesting that I learned and that the listeners can kind of take away. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's really cool to have people that have your back and can help guide you. Like I, I, one common theme with everyone I talk to is like, don't be afraid to ask for help, you know, make sure yeah. you have those those mentors and people to give you advice in different areas, whether it's a friend or a colleague or, or whoever it might be, even if it's someone you don't know that like you just read their blogs and follow them on social media, whatever, mm -hmm. whatever it is. But I know that that's super important. Um, so that's, that's great that you found that to help kind of guide you to where you are today. Um, so, so another thing I was, I was curious about, I know you talk a lot about user experience. I mm -hmm. you know what are your thoughts on why UX engineering is is important and and how can teams or organizations ensure that they have a beneficial or effective UX? Mm -hmm. I think it's very important because it is customer impacted, right? Like it, however you perceive yourself as a company, that's how the customers are going to see you as well. Um, if 
you are lackluster in your implementations and uh, don't care, don't take good care of uh, how it looks and feels as well as accessibility and just like the UX itself, customers are going to know that they're going to feel that if it's, it's, if it's painful for them to get through the experience, who says they're going to come back, right? Like we, our job is to make it so that it's seamless so that they can do that so that they don't even think about what they're doing. <clears throat> they're just going through the flow and going through the motions of trying to get through um, what we're trying to display, what we're trying to showcase. Um, if you're selling something, you know, it's always uh, an experience for them. It's like a journey, making that journey easier for them without even thinking of all the pain points and all the roadblocks that are going to come through. So that's kind of why I uh, predicate myself on good UX uh, implementation because design has done all the research with user studies, um, iterations, uh, talking to customers on pain points and come up with solutions. And it is our job uh, as US engineers to ensure that you know we're implementing that uh, accurately. And I just did a talk and it was about pixel perfect implementation. So uh, being able to implement these in a pixel perfect manner um, because then it aligns with style guides and the uh, style that the company has set forward. So just being able to like care about the customer, I think is the most thing is like putting yourself into their shoes and understanding like, okay, if I build this properly, it's going to uh, allow the user that comes um, to our application, our site to get to where they need to quicker. Uh, opposed to uh, having some blockers or or additional steps and and all of that, so um, I think that every team should definitely focus on user experience and uh, not just the design side, but the implementation side and the the coding side. Because I've seen some companies that have great designs, but then when it comes to implementation, um, they're lackluster in that. And then when you compare the two, you're like, whoa, like this is way off. Like the fonts off, the, the you know, the spacing's off, um, the interactions are a little bit odd, and it's gonna throw the user off. It's not a modern flow. Um, it doesn't flow well for the user to come on and kind of get through uh from A to Z within our what we're trying to get them through. So having that additional focus uh would be good. And just having the the full round of, I think, review from design, project management, product management, and engineering, all the way to the, the customer itself. Because having that full like round of reviews, iterations, and all of that will help you kind of refine your solution. Yeah, I think those are all great points. And, and if you think about it, you know, the the user experience is it's kind of that first impression of the mm -hmm. product. And so if yeah. if someone comes to it and it's their first time, or if they've been using something for a while and things have changed, like if there's even one bottleneck, let alone multiple areas, like those are all spots where users can drop off or get frustrated or just go mm -hmm. to an alternative because like there's always going to be alternatives. And it yeah, it's it should be one thing that our field CTO who's you know been at a lot of startups and led a lot of product teams talks about is just simplicity, like when it comes mm -hmm. to, you know, UI and, and UX, he, he always says like the most important thing is just keep it as simple as possible because a lot of times people 
try to do too much. Like they might be super skilled and know a lot of really cool tricks and yeah. buttons and things and mm-hmm. <laughs> visuals that can be added. And, and it's like, you just don't do too much, like keep it simple and just try to remember that, like, don't keep it too close to the vest. Let other people get eyes on it. Take their feedback. Don't get defensive because like, once you've been working on something, obviously you have a totally different view on it than someone with brand new fresh eyes. So I think all those, all those pieces that you mentioned are are really important reminders. It's like, it should be fully collaborative going through that full review process, as you said. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point you bring up too, is like, I've seen some sites where they just have ton of animations and uh, things just, you know, popping everywhere. And it's like, that's cool. Yeah. (laughs) But it's useful. So I always, I always say, um, let's use functional animations where, Sure, it's subtle and it comes in and it helps the user. Um, you may need it here and there, but we don't have to overdo it, right? Because then it might be like, whoa, this is too much. But if it's if it's subtle and it helps the transitions and helps guide the user, then it makes sense. Right. Yeah, there's there's a way to do it. Um there's a way, there's kind of like a fine line between overdone and like subtle <laughs> yeah. and classy and beautiful. And it's it's really cool when you see that all come together um do you have any sort of like websites or products or anything that you really love their ux that that stands out to you um i've always liked like stripes website Mm -hmm. um atlassian does a pretty good job with their products um sometimes i'll go through their products and kind of take some of their interactions um, and put it into some of the applications that um, we're building um and then for inspirational i always go to dribble um dribble has a lot of uh, artists and designers even some you know front engineers there uh, just creating simple um, snippets or even like product shots and website mock-ups and all that because um, i feel like uh, the the users that are there are very high quality and they provide some uniqueness um, that you can bring it's some inspiration into what you're trying to do as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, those are really great points. And I, it's funny you bring up Stripe. They must be doing something right because I feel like Stripe is brought up in so many conversations. <laughs> like everyone always says that they have the best docs. We mm-hmm. recently kind of revamped our docs and Stripe was like one of the top ones on the list of when we tried to get votes internally and externally of like what docs oh, can nice. people always are complaining about docs and so Mm -hmm. I always hear Stripe brought up in that realm too of like the model so that they're doing something right (laughs) yeah I mean I agree Uh, they (laughs) their designs are great their docs are awesome and their API is easy to integrate with like I think they just have a high focus on user experience not just from visuals but from content perspective as well yeah yeah, that's true. And it's it's interesting because if you're not thinking about those things, you you might go to the site or go use the tool or integrate with the API and just not even realize like how easy that is until you yeah. then maybe use another tool or product where you have the opposite experience. Like I think you have to see both to really understand like mm-hmm. how intricate and how difficult it can be to achieve that to make it seem so seamless. So mm-hmm. um, it's really cool to see that all come together. Um, outside of like user experience and UI, are there any other tools or technologies or frameworks or anything that you're kind of excited about right now or wanting to look into this year? I, I always like to ask people that because there's like so much happening 
all the time. And obviously yeah. <laughs> there's, there's too much. So it's, it's always fun to hear like what people are, are excited about um, or that's like at the top of the list for wanting to learn or anything like that. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of things that I have. One of them is uh, React server components. Um, I know there was a big release or a big announcement, uh, I think like a few weeks ago about mm -hmm. this. And then obviously Next JS uses that and Remix as well, these meta React frameworks. Um, I haven't had the opportunity to jump into these yet. And I definitely want to because we are at Microsoft, we have a Greenfield application that we're building soon. And Next is one of the uh, options that uh, I've identified that uh, I may use to build this for my, uh, and we'll actually build it with my team. And so it'll be interesting to dive into that and kind of learn more about it. Um, another one is just chat GPT, right? AI. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, I work at Microsoft. I can tell you that there's a lot of, not push, but um, just suggestions of like, hey, how can we integrate this into our products? How can we utilize AI to help our users? Right. So if we're doing it to with most of our teams and it's a hot commodity now, I wonder where it's going to be at in a year or two and how it's going to help, you know, our ourselves and our users um, and all that. So it's interesting. I, I've used it um, just for coding wise, but uh, it, I've seen some demos of uh, chat GPT being used to help guide users to find better products um, to help them come up with solutions and on all of that. So uh, it's going to be very interesting to dive into that and kind of see where it goes in about a year or two here. Another one that um, I've been really interested in is also the uh, plug and play model to build websites. Like Wix has a really cool developer editor called Velo. And I didn't know, I just, I thought that they were like, just, you know, they, you think of Wix as like a drag and drop site, like super simple, probably not going to use it, but they have some cool advanced features where you can use it to integrate with the database. You can build a SaaS product from it um, and all of that. And I was just blown away. I'm like, I didn't know that Wix had this. Oh, cool. So that was really cool. Yeah. And and then the last thing I had was similar to Wix is, is uh, Framer. I've seen a lot of designers say that Framer is like the, the next big thing uh, to build websites. It has a lot of cool uh, functional animations in there. People are uh, constructing and building websites really seamlessly and easy with it. And I want to kind of dig in and kind of uh, see what it's all about as well. Because I, I do see that even though we're continuing to build custom solutions for websites and applications, uh, like uh, products like Wix and Framer are going to come into big play as well because not everybody's going to want to build things from scratch and the ground up. Some are going to want to just get it up and running quickly and efficiently and obviously uh, with with the uh, saving themselves on the budget as well. Um, I kind of want to dig into those and kind of see uh, where that's going to go as well. Yeah. Yeah, those are, those are all... Um... I, I like all those recommendations for kind of technologies to keep an eye out for. And, and you make a good point um, when it comes to things like website design, but you could also apply that to other areas. There's always going to be the people that want the full customized built from the ground mm -hmm. up. But I would assume that there's the majority of people that also want an option for more automation, just making it as easy and seamless as possible. I mean, 
us being a tech startup, we recently transitioned from WordPress to Webflow, which mm -hmm. um, our yeah. head of marketing had his eye on Webflow. I mean, we don't have like a UI team. We don't have a, a bit like a front end engineering yeah. team. Like we have yeah. um, our team that's all focused on our actual product and not on our website. And so um, it's kind of fun for like different people to be able to go in and, and create these designs without having that like coding, front end coding experience. Mm -hmm. um, like WordPress was great, but even that we were relying on one or two people for when things got more complicated, that they were the only ones that could make a change. So um, I definitely see the benefits of that, of just being able to have like more people be able to access these functionalities that they weren't able to before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's really good too, because like Webflow flows right into that um that area as well. Right. And I, I can see that, like what you said, like if you go, if you continue to use WordPress or build a custom, then that means that you either need to contract a dev or somebody to come in and make the customizations or uh, maintain it. But if you use something that is more um plug and play and it has a, a UI to it and everything, like Wix. Uh, framer and Webflow, then you don't need that. <laughs> right. You, yeah. Anybody can go in as long as they get trained or kind of see the the the, the graphic user interface or right, the GUI. Um, they can kind of go in and modify that. And I've seen that Wix. I think they just implemented Chat um, GPT uh, as a content writer too. So now it's like, wait, like I don't even have to write content anymore. Right. Like if I don't want to, <laughs> yeah. like all this AI is is making things more efficient. Um, yeah. And it's really interesting. Like I don't know where the future is going to go in a year because um, the chat GPT was announced just a few months ago and it's like blowing up and it's advancing super fast. Right. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's interesting because some people, like you hear some people that are afraid of like, oh, well, AI is going to take over my job. Mm -hmm. Or like, I have mm -hmm. a friend that's a copywriter in, in PR and she was like, oh, well, this is like literally what I do. You know, I, I now I feel like I'm cheating or something if I use ChatGPT. But I think the the better way to look at it is it's, it's just allowing people to focus more on more important tasks and kind of like Agree. augment and streamline some of those. Mm -hmm. Even back to the website discussion, it's like we have developers that could fully customize a UI and do all that, but they're now they're, because we're using Webflow, they're able to focus on like the more important tasks and the bigger fish yeah. we need to fry, which is like our actual product and the actual studio UI of like our product, not just our website. And so um, it's cool to see that like, especially for leaner teams, like what we're on, it can take, you know, AI and all these tools that are automating and all that can kind of allow us to focus on like the more important tasks at hand. And so that's what I try to tell people when they're afraid of AI taking over their job. I'm like, that's not going to be happening in our lifetime. I think it's just going to make your <laughs> yeah. life easier. <laughs> I, I agree with that statement 100%. At first I was like, wait, is it going to replace like the entry level um, uh, career? But then I don't think so. I think it's going to help um, yeah. in many ways. Yeah, it could. Like if you're a lean um, startup or a lean team, it, you can utilize it to do many things that... Um, you may have somebody do it anyways, but like you said, but then that allows the resources to go do other things, to focus on bigger, bigger fish, to do bigger projects and things that have been, have been held back. Right. And I could see that too, because even if, even though I use it today, I'm like, I'm not using it to code everything. I'm using it to replace Google 
it finds solutions for me. And it's not right. 100% accurate. <laughs> yeah. it, it gets me there, which is great. <laughs> but I'm sure it'll get better. The models will get better. It'll get, you know, way more accurate and all of that. But it's only going to help make us more efficient and allow us to push the boundaries and do more opposed to, you know, like just doing one project this quarter. We can do maybe four now because we don't have to do all the the little testing and writing all these little uh, features. Uh, we can have the AI help guide us and, and shortcut some of our timelines while we can build uh, and extend other projects that we have that are in the backlog. Right. Yep, exactly. Yeah, I, um, I think it's exciting. It's it's cool to see. I'm very curious to see where we'll be, as you said, in even one year, let alone five or 10 years. Mm -hmm. It's definitely changing making waves and, and big changes um but but yeah i know we're kind of coming up on time here this has been a really fun conversation i, I really appreciate yeah. you taking the time obviously you have a lot on your plate so um it's it's always fun to chat with with interesting folks like yourself um i'll be sure to put in the show notes for anyone listening you can find shashi on on twitter at, at shashi who codes is there are there any other places that do you have like blogging platforms or YouTube or anything else where people should kind of keep an eye out? Yeah, I am starting my YouTube channel. Uh, oh, cool. <laughs> I've been wanting to build some, you know, dev content. And um, like I said at the beginning, I, I just I realized by helping others, I'm like, hey, like you, you actually know a lot. I'm like, I do. I'm like, okay, <laughs> well, I'm starting to share that. So my YouTube channel is Coding with Shashi. Okay. Um, and I'm going to start just pushing out content out there for um, focuses on UX engineering, also focusing on like helping you break into tech and some beginner content and hopefully some more advanced content as well. But, you know, I'm going to take this journey and kind of see where it goes. Well, that's awesome. Congrats. I'm excited to, to check out your content you. there as well um, and to kind of keep seeing seeing the, the stuff that you post on, on Twitter and all of that. And um, for anyone listening, if you have questions or want to connect, um, definitely reach out to Shashi. I mean, I guess I can't speak for you, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely reach out to me. <laughs> That's totally okay. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat and uh, looking forward to keeping in touch. Thank you, Margo. Thank you for having me on this. It was an awesome conversation. Thanks for listening to SelectStar, your resource for innovative technology and developer topics. You can find our episodes in all the usual places, Spotify, Apple, Google, RSS, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, comment, subscribe, and share. You can learn more about HarperDB at harperdb.io.